Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Mills on the 4th on today's episode on chatting with rapper Xavier James. We chat about a bit about growing up in Maryland, influences such as Tech 9 and other topics too. So we take it a bit street level, so if you're offended about language, can't say I didn't warn you. So, how's it looking out in Maryland? Uh, it's cold and rainy and it sucks. Sounds about right. <laughs> Hold on, I lied. It's actually not cold. It's like 73 degrees. Yes, because... <laughs> Originally, I was going to go on a walk earlier, right? But my neighbor started yeah. coughing. So I was like, nope, fuck this shit. <laughs> I was about to go on <laughs> a walk. That's what I've been doing lately. I'm going to walk my backyard and everything. I've literally walked a damn loop in the backyard, right? It's turned to a pattern. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's turned to a track pretty much because I'm walking that much, right? So mm-hmm. next thing I know, my neighbor starts coughing, right? And I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm going back inside. <laughs> mm, nope. It was a disrespectful <laughs> cough, too. You know? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you, there's no need for that. Like, you're trying to cough up some flu germs from 93. <laughs> We've already crossed the six feet limit with that cough. <laughs> exactly. Shit. Shit, I'm risking it, you know? Okay. So, you're from, like, Columbia, right? Yep. Hmm, cool. Ah, yes. So, how'd you grow up, though? What was it like, though? You know? Um, interesting upbringing, to be honest. Um, I grew up, like, I li- I grew up in Columbia. Well, originally I was born in Cleveland. Oh, okay. Uh, mom moved down here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as far as I remember, like, I can't say, I said this the other day, I can't say my life was hard, but, like, aspects of it were tumultuous. Go you ahead. know what I mean? Like, as a, like, as a kid who knew, like, you don't know this shit when you're a child, but, like, I kind of always knew I was, like, different than everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just knew, like, I fit in, but I was like, I'm not into what y'all are into. And, like, I see that now as an adult. A lot of people are like, you don't like anything. I'm like, no, I just don't like what you like. I like what I like. True. Um, but, yeah, I grew up in Howard County, went to private school for a little bit, then switched over to elementary, which was an interesting transition. Um, going from, like, everything being, like, uniformed and you do this and you do that and like nobody really messes with you and like everybody's kind of like a tight tight knit unit because you're in a smaller class Mm -hmm. to going into the goddamn jungle of being in public school yeah (laughs) like everything was different so that was an adjustment period um and then I, i really feel like that was one of those things that helped me define i'm actually glad i didn't stay in private school like helped me kind of define my personality what I'm willing to tolerate and what I'm willing, what I'm not willing to tolerate as an adult. Um, high school was short. I got up out of there quick. <laughs> um, I didn't necessarily drop out nor get kicked out, but let's just say I kind of left and I kind of did. Um, <laughs> but the point is I have a diploma and I got it a year early. So, and yeah, like, I mean, that was pretty much growing in Columbia. Like there's not, there's no like, struggle story no struggle story to step or tell living out here like i don't have like a cool backstory like it's just like i grew up relatively privileged uh, um musically what you grew up on i feel we grew up on a lot of the same stuff bruh the music i grew up on is so like i mean we're you're probably right because like i grew up on a vast style of music like I actually, I mean, I'll kind of start in one spot and then I'll backtrack. 
I actually didn't start even listening to hip or well, that's not that's a lot. I didn't really start taking hip hop seriously until I was probably about like sixteen. Like, wasn't really into it. Wasn't really like defined. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't know enough about it, honestly, to like really care. Um, so I say that to backtrack. I grew up listening to everything, bro. Like, from Celine Dion to Kenny G to this is just my parents, like shit that got played in the house. Yeah. Like Celine Dion to like Seal to Kenny G to you know Alanis Morissette to uh, Tom Petty and Heartbreakers, and then once I started like venturing out on my own, uh, my friend Derek who. We're actually still friends to this day. So this is like probably like 1992, three. Hmm. Um, he introduced me to In Utero. Like he had it on cassette. Nice. And I remember hearing Heart Shaped Box for the first time and I was like obsessed with it. I was oh, yeah. like, what is this band? What is this song? Like, I had never heard anything like it. I know it's like people, musicians always have the cliche. I've never heard anything like the story, but like, for real, I just named off Celine Dion all the way to Tom Petty and then Nirvana. <laughs> it makes I mean? sense. So like, like, when I was growing up, when I was coming up and everything, right, it was kind of weird. Like, rock was around the house, and that's because we had MTV, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. So it wasn't just like, you know, because, of course, you know, there's James Brown in the house. Of course, it was Funkadelic, you know? Were your parents a matching set? What do you mean? You never know some about a Columbia. You never notice that? Oh, like where it's like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Diverse? Yeah. It was what we're going. Yeah, yeah, my parents are black, black. Exactly. So that's another thing, too, about it. Yeah, like, yeah. About, a lot of people don't know about Columbia, basically. You're not going to find a magic set there. You yeah, seldom do. So it's actually, yo, here's the funny thing is you do. You do. You just don't see it as commonly with black people out here. Oh, okay. Right. So it's like, Columbia has pockets. Like, if you go to certain parts of Ellicott City, it's very, um, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it's like very Eastern, I'm sorry, Western Asian, mid, Middle East kind of sort of. It's like oh, okay. very, you know what I mean? Pac- uh, Pakistani people, oh, Indian okay. people, so on and so forth. Oh, okay. And then if you go to a different part of Ellicott City, same town, it's completely Korean. Like, yeah, it's like Korean owned. So like, that's like more like the Centennial area. Yeah. Um, and then if you go to like the Glenelg, Western Howard County area, it's all white people. Like it's all trucks, Trump supporters, et cetera, et cetera. I won't say all, but a majority. A good amount. And then you have the, you know, central Howard County or central Columbia, which is where, where it's a little bit more diverse, but then you still have like Eastern, it's weird because I hate breaking this shit down in the segments. You have like East, the Eastern part of Howard County which is more black people, uh, where you get the integration more. Oh, yeah, yeah. More black people, more Hispanic, you know. Uh, I won't say, I can't say, like, poor, but, like, there's a difference between Western Howard County money and Eastern Howard County money. So, like, working it's, class or lower working class, like that? No, not even. Like, upper to middle class, it, like, upper upper middle class to upper class. Oh, But okay. then Western Howard County is strictly upper class. Oh, okay. Like, it's, single-family houses are, you know, what most people would determine as a mansion are is, like, the standard single-family house out there. Like, $1.5, $2 million houses, but they're single-family homes. Uh, you know what I mean? 
Oh yeah. So it's it's re- it's really just a matter of where you are. Like if you go west, yeah, you're gonna see more white people. If you go, you you know, move a little bit more east, it becomes a little bit more Korean. You move more east than that, it becomes a little bit more, you know, Pakistani, Indian, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And then you keep you know, so on and so forth. Okay. But interesting place to live. Oh right, yeah, cool. Racism is very polite. Oh, absolutely. I noticed that a while back. You know, <laughs> I remember going to Columbia Moss. First time I went to Columbia Mall, saw a skater fight. That was fucking lit. I loved it. I grew up on those. So, yeah. (laughs) Chances are we run into each other if you went to Columbia Mall and saw a skater fight. More than likely, you know. (laughs) I was probably involved in some way, shape, or form because I used to wreak havoc at that mall. You know, we kind of favor a little bit, so they probably got it confused. I was like, you know, I'm not going to use the government name or anything, you know. (laughs) Because I know you by two names, by the way. Boy, I got more names in a little bit. <laughs> you know, I'll put it this way, but that's another good question. All right, so this I'm intrigued by the story because the first time I saw you, actually, mm-hmm. it was back in 2014. On You were on the same bill with Noli Moles, whose guys I knew, you know, mm-hmm. um, Bumpin' Uglies, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I've known, I've really known Brandon since the days of the whiskey and stuff. And you went under a name because I, I thought you were like a reggae band, Mr. Mighty Eye. I thought you were like a reggae band the first time I heard. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out like what's the story behind that. I'm just curious. Okay, so <clears throat> that, we gotta we gotta rewind before we get to all that. So when I um, when I started rapping, I like couldn't think of like I was probably 15, 16. Yeah. Um, I couldn't think of like a name like a like a cool. Like, hey, this is my rap name, you know what I mean? Like, I was running with dudes named A-Class and Ed Bones and Dirty and, like, oh, like I didn't have, like, a cool rap name and shit. Okay. Um, and my boy Ox always said that I reminded him of a younger version of him. So he started calling me Oz. Like, just, you know what I mean, just kind of skipping the Y and moving down the, the alphabet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> that's what I chose as a stage name, and then... Once I really started taking it seriously and understanding how, like, not understanding, but having a better understanding of how the music industry works, I was like, bro, we're not going to be able to sell anything if my stage name is a book, uh, a show on HBO, a classic movie, uh, you know, all these things. Or WCW wrestler. Shout out to Kevin Nash. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's that kind of show. I'm going to be dropping these references. Yeah, it's probably going to be the whole the whole episode. Yeah, like, oh, damn right. <laughs> um, but like, so that became that, and then I was like going through the name change process, and I was just like, "There's a song I have called Monster," and I don't remember exactly what the line is off the top of my head, but um, I said "Mighty I something like Mighty comma I," and I was like, when I said it in the verse, it just sounded like Mighty I, like. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, that's, I kind of dig that name, but I wasn't really comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Mr. Mighty Eye was a thing. You know, like, all my handles on stuff are Mr. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so that always kind of stuck. But then I figured Mr. Mighty Eye was, I didn't like the way it looked on flyers, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is stupid, but whatever. Uh, and, yeah, so that's how we got there. <laughs> and then the name changed happened again to something I'm a little bit more comfortable with. Okay. All right, cool. Cause I remember about you. What kind of caught my attention? You made a reference to Shawn Michaels, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I just kind of look like you know on the show The Voice and everything, where they start turn around and shit like that when mm-hmm. you hear somebody. That's exactly what happened. I was like, "Wait, what?" 
And I'm like, I wish I knew what song that was too. I can't remember, but it was something "You're a Heartbreak Kid." I forgot what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking. I can't about. remember what it was, but it caught my fucking attention though. So I was like, "Oh shit!" And it was like, yeah. "Okay, that's might be a one-off." <laughs> then it was another, just some more too. And then you start doing uh, like, I have like, I have so many wrestling references. Exactly. Uh, so like, Razor, like I know there's some song I say Razor, like Ramon. Um, I have Chris Benoit references, uh, which, you know, wasn't my proudest moment, but I was young and that's what, that's what it came down to. But yeah, I mean, like, that's the one thing that, that you said, like touching on the, or I'm sorry, going back to like the wrestling thing yeah, yeah. is like, even in my, like, even on my new record, you know what I mean? In the fur, uh, the second song villains, I reference there, there's a couple, I think it's in the same song. I'm not sure. Um, who do I reference? Ricky Steamboat, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, and uh, Jake the Snake, the British Bulldog, like all in the same verse, though. Like, I think it's all one verse where I say all this. Like, nice. Um, but it's just like, that's, you know, people, but I also reference comic books a lot. I always reference Batman villains a lot. Like, I have a song called Hugo Strange. Um, I refer to myself as the bass drum Bane in a song called James. Um, like there's like you, I've just I write about my interest in my life, man. Like we kind of connected and going back to that show, I remember like that's the genesis of our conversation. But what I recall us really kind of connecting over was we're both Tech Nine fans. Exactly. Now that was the other thing too I wanted to talk about as well because I remember you you were doing it wasn't like the chopper flow proper, but it was like a triplet variant of that actually, right? Mm-hmm. And that caught my attention as well. You know, especially like the Tech Nine thing because I felt like you know I was like oh shit. You know, but it's kind of funny you mention that because it all kind of pulls in together. If I speaking of Batman, if I say this beginning, what does it mean to you? I want to be Batman. Where else would you go with that? Nowhere. <laughs> remember, Jeff, no remember the song that Jamie Madras did, remember? Oh, you are correct. You are correct. They are constantly dressed up. Shout out to Twisted. They are constantly dressed up as Batman and Robin. Yeah, I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to it twisted since. Uh, I want to say most tasteless. No, um, man's myth or man myth meeting or whatever that was. That's probably the last twisted out of my list. But from what uh, I gathered, that was he was one of the inspirations to get into rap, though, right? Yes, Jamie Madrox was a huge inspiration for me to start rapping. Actually, the whole well, I'll double back to that. Um, Going to the Tech Nine thing. Yeah. The reason I reference all these things is because Tech Nine is I would say the reason I rap, but my biggest influence in rap. And as Quincy Jones told him, I took it as if he was talking to me. Write your life and people will forever feel you. Like that's how I approach music. But going back into um the whole twisted thing is I saw Twisted at, where were we, the Thunderdome, I believe it was, in Baltimore. I think that's what it's called. Um, and it was Twisted, Wolfpack, and I can't remember who. I want to say the ROC. I and, think so. That sounds like that. That sounds like it, though. And, like, literally, I was like, I mean, I had been to concerts, but this was the first time I had been in, like, a club, like, at night. You know what I mean? And, like, the whole vibe was different. 
And I remember watching this. I was always I was already a fan of Jamie Maddox. He was the better rapper of Twisted, in my opinion. Um, like just technically, he was the he was the more skilled. Like yeah. not necessarily lyrically, but like in a technical sense of riding a beat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how he could change his voice and do like high pitch shit and then like real growly low shit like that caught my attention. Anyway, so <clears throat> I'm like watching this show and. I'm looking. I'm paying more attention to the crowd than the people or the performance, just because the energy in the room was just insane. You know, it was just like everybody was just in the moment of like we're watching Twisted. This is pre cell phone cameras and all that shit. So it's like people were there for the concert and just the amount of control that those two had over the room. I was just like, I want to do that for the rest of my life. Oh, like. Yeah. And then uh, there's a specific point where uh, Monoxide goes, he pulls a cigarette out and he goes, does anybody have, oh no, he was like, damn, no, I want a cigarette or something like that. And a hail of fucking cigarettes launched towards the stage. Like, it was just like everyone in the room pulled out one cigarette was just, whoo. And then he was like, don't worry about the lighter. I got that. Don't throw those up here. (laughs) Like... I was like, okay, cool, I get it. And he literally picked up a cigarette off the stage, lit it, smoked smoked it, and did a song. You know what I mean? And I was just like, mm-hmm. yep, that's pretty much what I want to do. <laughs> like, just that level of freedom, and that, but also the, the, the ability to have 500 people just, holy shit, it's you. Like, that, to me, is what drew me into this shit. And also, I was just a fan of Twisted. <laughs> so. I'm just glad he didn't ask for a chair. Yeah. That could have turned into a real serious, like, Cactus Jack, Terry Front. Exactly. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> that could have got real, real fast. Jimmy Madras was the one inspiration. Okay, was your inspiration made you want to do that? Okay, I got you. That's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool story, you know? It was kind of funny because, you know, Tech Nine, the reason where I really fell for Tech Nine's music is I felt like, I don't know what the fuck it is, but something about this guy is relatable, right? Like, Okay, like, for example, obviously, Tech Knight is not the first person to do a damn chopper flow. In fact, around 92, 93, people were, like, rapping the damn their triplets, you know? Mm-hmm. They sound like fucking auctioneers. Like, it wasn't even chopper. It was, like, auctioneer core. Oh, yeah. You know? You know? Like, that and everything, you know? Um... But it's something like Busta Rhymes always. It's kind of crazy because Busta Rhymes he did do stuff with rock bands like he has on Psychological Overcast by Fishbone. Um, he did mm-hmm. do something with some of the guys from Lincoln Park. Um, that was some other he's shit. On a, he's on a cover of. Um, why can I not remember the name of the song now? This means war. The sample Black Sabbath Iron Man. There you go. I remember that. It always kind of pissed me off because I felt like because I didn't understand sampling at the moment, so it's like. Okay, someone's honestly going to kick in. I didn't realize that. So, right, right, right. You know, so that being said, so it's kind of weird, like, how something about him just didn't jive with me like that, but I do respect and appreciate the talent, you know? But something about, oh, about Tech 9, though, just spoke to me. I still can't figure out why. But here's the weird thing about Tech, and I can't figure out, like, why are people just tend have a tendency to shit on Tech 9, like, especially as of late? Um, all right. So here's where all my strange music fandom comes out. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I'm going to touch on one thing and then I'll shift. So the draw for me was very 
similar to what you're saying. Like, so going back, like going back to the staccato, um, like triplet or double time or chopper flow or whatever people call it now. Um, <clears throat> I had never heard anybody do it that cleanly with that many patterns. Yeah. And by themselves. Like, if you really think about it, it was popping in the early 90s, but Bone and Twisted, well, I'd say Bone more than Twisted, because Twisted wasn't really that popular. It wasn't really super popular until, like, the early 2000s. Yeah, Chicago was his home, though, in Crucial Conflict, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah Guys exactly. like that. But, like, he didn't blow on a world, like, on a national level until you started fucking with Kanye and shit. No, true, uh, very, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, Bone really introduced me to the, the, the double-time shit. And, like, being being born in the Midwest, it was like, I didn't know why, why I gravitated to four niggas from Cleveland, even though I was born in Cleveland, but I did. <laughs> like, um, and then, you know, I... So moving on into tech, like, I heard Bone do it, but, like, you could hear kind of some of their stumbles of them not pronouncing words clearly. Yeah. And then, like, tech came out and, you know, just... Brrr, and I was like, what is this? Yes. You know what I mean? The first time I heard him, funny enough, was on a um, Twisted song. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I know all I heard was this voice come in, like, American Gorilla. I was like, what? The butt, who was that? And then I obviously fell into the whole, uh, oh, I was in New Jersey when this happened. When I first heard Tech 9, whether I was with my homeboy Brian, who I was in and out of bands with all through high school and middle school. Um, and so that led me to once I got back to Maryland, I, this is around the LimeWire time, like the LimeWire and yeah. the other one that they used. When you gave your computer HIV. Like, yeah, all that. Should be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that I downloaded all of Absolute Power when I got back to Maryland. Yes. And and it, like I didn't know anything about Angelic or any of that shit. So I'm listening to Absolute Power, and all I hear is, bah, bah, and I was just like, industry is punks. And I was just yes. like, holy fuck. And then like just he just came in rhyming, rhyming. Now the thing that I think that gives tech. The before what was hard to swallow about what Tech Nine was doing was his imagery. You didn't see a black dude with you don't see black like go back to two thousand when like strange music really became like a label. Yeah. And then you go to two thousand twenty where everybody looks like Tech Nine. I noticed that too, you know. And then it's like you go backwards and it's like red spiked hair, bishop's robe. You know, he's pop-locking on stage and shit. That's where I get a lot of my stage uh, performance from, is him. Like, a lot of people are like, pop-lock when you rap. And I was like, I don't even know that I'm doing it. Like, it's just like, it's, I just... It's ingrained in you. Well, I mimicked Tech 9 on stage for for years. And then, like, once I came into my own, like, part of it was just, like, you started ingrained. It was just like, certain things, like, I glide on stage or I'll, you know, whatever, whatever. Or I'll, like, the stop-motion shit while I'm rapping. Anyway, um... But, like, that imagery is what threw people off, but it's the same thing that drew me in. Exactly. Like, Nobody looks like this dude. Nobody raps like this dude. Like, and I play it for all my friends, like, or people will get in my car and they'd be like, man, turn this shit off. Like, you always listen to this shit whack, yo. And I was like, okay, no. Um, <laughs> like, it's my car. You don't have to be in it. Um, so all that happened, blah, 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 blah. 
And then now you're seeing it where people are like, yo, people who openly told me Tech 9 is whack are like, yo, you heard the new tech? Have I heard the new tech? Hey, who Did you forget who the fuck you talking to? Exactly. <laughs> like, But I think the thing that he gets shitted on for, and I don't want to say shitted on, but I think what he gets hate for now is he made a very big claim, and I, this is not my personal feeling towards it, but a lot of people feel this way. He made a very big claim. Tech will never go industry. The industry will go tech. Yeah. But a lot of his beats now are very trap. They're very with the times. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you have the hardcore fans who are like, who are used to that dark shit that Seven was making. Yes. And now it's like a lot of his shit sounds like shit you would hear on the radio if he wasn't rapping on it. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, you can take a lot of Tech 9 beats and give those to, you know, any pop and trap rapper right now. And I'm not saying the song will be as good or the same, but the beat, here's the here's a better way of saying that. Certain beats that Tech had were specifically for Tech. Yeah. A lot of his shit now, anybody could do. Like, not anybody could do, but the sound is very universal at yeah. this point. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's where, you know, that line of hate comes in. He's also rich as fuck now, too. <laughs> like, and he talks about money a lot. And that's off-putting to a lot of that fan base because a lot of his fan base is not rich as fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the kids who are outcasts. It's the kids who were picked on. It's the kids who felt like they didn't, you know, because I'm, and this is speaking from experience, the kids who were picked, who didn't feel like they fit in, had somebody who was like, he's dope. And he doesn't fit in and not saying he fits in now, but you know, your, your, your core fan base are outcasts and you're rapping about how many times you've been on the Forbes list list and how many times you've eaten a Capitol grill and how many times you've done this and how much money you have. And it's like, all right, we get it. But like, yeah, it's not what we came here for. <laughs> it's not what... Okay. So mention you play bass or this. So how'd you get into that? Uh, bruh, I wanted to be Fieldy from Corn so bad. <laughs> like, if we're going to be 100 about it, like, I wanted to be Fieldy. Like, I held my bass upright and all that shit. Like, but then, um, I kind of realized that Fieldy can't really play bass. Um, <laughs> he makes great noises. So he gr- he's really good at being percussive. I will give yes. him that. That was a secret because but- notice his tone, right? <laughs> it's not a bass tone, it's almost like a lower guitar. There, well, there's that. It really depends because, it, like, you'll understand what I'm about to say being a music head. Yeah. I did years of studying that man's bass tone and how to get it. And all it is is he scoops out all of the mid range. He does. That's it. High range, low range, no mid. Um, and that's how you get that. And then with the active pickups that Ivan does have, that's where you get that click. You know what I mean? It so, does. like, you know, you get that, you know, but he also made, you know, he took flea style and made it his own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, but then he added in a little, little bit of Tom Morello in there too, with the, you know, the right running the nails across the screen, uh, across the strings. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, <clears throat> um, how I got into playing bass is I bought follow the leader. Um, I had seen the video forgot the life. And I was, another one of those moments in my life where I was like, what is this? And who are they? 
You know what I mean? I actually had a few moments like that. I had a moment like that with P.O.D. the first time I heard Southtown. Um, you know, Deftones, first time I heard uh, My Own Summer. Tool, first time I heard Stinkfist. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I bought Follow the Leader, and I was listening to it, and I was just like, what is this clicking noise? Like, I can, what is that? And they were like, yo, that's the, you know, watching interviews or, like, you know, getting your hands on tapes or reading articles. It was like, oh, yeah, that's just how he plays. So I tried to mimic that. And then from there, I started, like, hearing other bass players, Justin Chancellor, Chi Chang. Um, I'm trying to think of who inspired me. Ryan Martin from Mudvayne is probably my biggest influence as a bass player. And it's also probably my biggest letdown moment to know that I will never be that fucking good. <laughs> like, but Ryan Martin is probably the person... Fieldy's the person who got me into playing bass. Ryan Martin is who kept me playing bass. Like, to be able to create that... Like, and that's... Actually, he's also the reason that I'm obsessed with Warwick's. Um, I think Warwick's have, out of any bass ever made, maybe outside of Walls, um, I think Warwick's have the best tone overall as far as low-end, mid, and high. Like, their highs are super clean, their mids are bright, and those lows are disgusting. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's essentially how I do food. I wanted to be fieldy. I, we, and all my friends were like, yo, we're going to start a band. And like, so everybody went out and had their parents buy them instruments and shit. And everybody sucked for a while. And, <laughs> and eventually, uh, motherfuckers got good <laughs> and, and started a band. <laughs> I'll never forget the Dave Grohl quote, actually. And it's one of those things where, you know, you ever have those kind of petty moments of like, hey, freeze that there, buddy. You know, mm -hmm. I'll never forget when Dave Grohl said, when I got on Nirvana, we all sucked. We all just got into a garage and just started to suck. And I'm like, you did what now? <laughs> oh, God, that went completely over my head. Yeah, exactly. Of <laughs> like, I don't know why. <laughs> but it's kind of weird because, like, wait, Dave, wait, wait, wait. Nirvana started in 1986, actually, out of out of fecal matter. You know, literally, that's what the band was called. So what the fuck and are you talking about? the original drummer. Exactly. That was Chad, that, that was Chad Channing, who does not like to bring like to bring it up by the way say yeah i was in nirvana what happened i was an idiot <laughs> uh to be fair though to be fair uh about a girl is my favorite nirvana song my band does a cover that actually right we totally stripped it down to like really it's like just danielle and me and like mm -hmm. that's what we do right just like a version of it kind of floating around like i really want to redo that actually you know yep. do like a better version of it you know, we did it. We have like another version of Knife Party by Deftones. Like, okay, here's mm -hmm. the kicker. I wasn't a big Deftones guy in the 90s because I was so traumatized by fucking R&B. I refused to hear anything that sounded like it. And to me, Deftones was basically just R&B for kids that wore Junkos. Interesting. To me, at least, is what it sounded like. Because I hear like, okay, I hear like Change in the House of Flies. I'm like, okay, take her to guitar parts. All right. I can hear Janie doing this. <laughs> you know? Interesting. This is this is interesting. Like, I've never heard this comparison, so you have my full attention. It's right a now. weird thing. Like, it always sounded like the the timbre of it, though. It always sounded like very R&B-ish. Like, I can hear this basically late nights on Quiet Storm or something like that, you know? Easy, easy I can hear that. You know, it's a weird comparison. Because even, like, okay, because even, like, like, Chino, right? He's like, 
I watch you change. You know, all that kind of yeah. shit, right? I mean, if you think about it, it sounds like a cross between, to me, a little bit like a little bit of HR and a little bit of what's the other dude's name again. Um, Dude from Faith No More. Um, I can't think of his name. Mike Patton. Patton. About. Mike Patton yeah, yeah, yeah. and HR a little bit. And I just kind of feel like he's doing the crooner thing that HR would do, you know? So I kind of mm-hmm. feel like, okay, that's where it's coming from and everything. And I put it this way. I was like, okay. I was like, you know, I kind of got ear fucked by this stuff over the years. No means no. So I just, it's almost like, and it's like, I'm not here for beer. You better than that, breaking that whiskey, motherfucker. You know? So, point being, though, I got into them around like 2011, 2012, actually, because, you know, because of Danielle. Okay. But the new metal thing. Is, I want to say that's Diamond Eyes era? About there, you know? So, I, I admit it, I missed out on White Pony, I believe it was called. Uh huh. That's the album with Change on it. That was exactly, but there was other better stuff on there too. So I was like, okay, I wish I heard this first, you know. Uh, bro, Korea, uh, great album. <laughs> you know what I mean? Elite, like just great shit. A bunch of fire songs on there, and you know what? Now that you bring that to my attention, and knowing that the Deftones are influenced by a lot of eighties R and B, I can see where you get that. Like songs like Digital Bath and also uh, RX Queen. And also, uh, don't forget they did a cover of No Ordinary Love by Sade. Yes, they did. So, yes, they did. And it made sense for them to do that because they have that kind of like, that sound though, you know, it does mm-hmm. like, you know, it made sense. So, atmospheric. Exactly. The, atmos- the atmospheric R&B kind of thing, you know, where like, it's, listen, if you weren't into rock, but you like R&B or rap, there's a reason why people kind of fuck with Coldplay and fuck with Radiohead, you know, the softer mm-hmm. stuff, because of the texture. It's like, okay, this texture is familiar. Same mm-hmm. thing with new metal, right? Like, I read this article. It was about Mike Shinoda saying that that hair metal sounded too white and it didn't make me feel comfortable, right? The nineties, the nineties new metal stuff, and nineties to the new metal stuff is true. You know, thinking about it, when it's getting into rock and everything, right? Yes. Corn, Limp Biscuit were mainstays because I kind of felt like, okay, um, come on, feel the noise. It's not like anything I'm familiar with. But mm-hmm. these guys over at Corn, it's like, oh shit, they kind of a pocket going on over here. Yeah. It's like, um, Limp Biscuit, I was like, this dude's rapping and shit. You know, you know, look at it, sounds kind of familiar. It sounds like the stuff. I'm, it's like, whoa, this is way more aggressive. It's on and stuff like that. It's like, oh shit, exhibits on here. DMX, the fuck? And what is it later Method on, of Man. course? Method Man yeah. too. So stuff like that. That's so second album. That yeah, second album. Exactly. So no third album. I'm sorry, third. Yeah, you're right. Point yeah. is this: when you're from this, and they and they said like you know, I felt kind of comfortable, more welcome here because let's face it, '80s rock, you know, it didn't sound very inclusive, and people were trying to understand mm. what do you mean by didn't sound inclusive, and it's one of those things where listen, um. The world smells totally different to little people and three-year-olds. <laughs> and people might not understand what the fuck that means. And if that's the case, then you're not going to get it. And you trust me. And if you saw, oh man, that was fucking rank. Now, imagine basically being a three-year-old, somebody farting in your face. You get this shit full blast. Yep. There you go. <laughs> so... If you... Same thing with like, okay, a, a lot of black people basically, when they were getting to rock, they... Okay, Nirvana was a thing because, okay, if you listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit, that had a fucking groove to it. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Stone Temple Pilots, it stayed in the pocket. Um, even Flow, actually, right? It was kind of funky a little bit. And I always kind of felt Eddie Vedder was an unsung pioneer in the chopper flow. Because they're going, like, I mean, uh, I, I will, I'll give you that, but I will also say he is the inventor of mumble rap. Yes, especially that. But if you want to get tunnel go about it, I always felt like the precursor. Because I did this post this thing about the chopper flow, right? Now the guys mm-hmm. too don't get any credit. The dude from Mudvayne. Oh, Chad. Chad was doing the triplet thing that a lot of the modern rappers are doing. I'm like, oh shit! It sounded like a weird. It sounded like a parallel. Yeah. There was no other way to do that song. There wasn't. You couldn't basically. Dig, you there's couldn't. No other way to do that. Song. You can't croon it. You know. You can't right. do that. You know. Hell. Um. Like there's nothing else you can do. This. Shit. I just thought of another one too. Um. And it makes sense. And it might be a system of a down. Sarah Titanican, right? I mm-hmm. still can't sing along to that fucking song. And it took uh, me. Yeah, chop suey. It's like wake up. I can't, I can't do it. I'm like I tried for literally. Yeah, See, yeah. you can't because you can do the chopper flow shit. I've tried. Yeah. I've, let me tell you right now. There was a one time I was trying to do the chopper flow thing. I just ended up passing out. Bruh. It's, it's just years of rapping Tech 9 verses. That's how I learned how to do it. I've <laughs> yeah. tried it too. Like Even like the slower Tech 9 stuff. I, tried to, I can get up to 50 BPMs. And that's with a lot of practice. You know? <laughs> but so the, plain, the one Tech 9 song I struggle with is, is actually Industry as well. There's a lot of S's in that song, and it's like hard to like like kind of sift through them or whatever. Um, oh, so real quick, going back to your 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 pocket thing. Yeah. yeah. One of and the, like this is, I don't know if it's commonly known, but it's something that I find very interesting and actually it made me appreciate Limp Bizkit way more. Their drummer is a classically trained jazz drummer. Yeah, that was the thing John I liked Otto. about him. Him and John Sam Riz and John Otto because they had like mm-hmm. this jazz background, like they really were like. Oh shit! They can play, play. Mm-hmm. You know. In fact, and it's like, okay. the weakest link. Okay, here's the weird. Here's a so weird parallel between. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing about it. the parallel between suicidal tendencies and Limp Biscuit is the most useless guy is the fucking frontman because bandwise they're fucking amazing. Oh, uh, bro! All right, I've had this debate with myself high so many times, <laughs> and it's like I do this a lot. Is I take bands. Yo, 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 X, yo, X, the mic, yeah, it got weird late, it just dropped out, no, 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 hold on, let me call back, let me try this again, hold on, the fuck, just was getting good, folks. Yeah, way better now. Cause it was funny because it was just right when it was getting good, it dropped this weird like high filter thing. Uh huh. Okay, but you're saying though. Um, shit. Where was I? Yeah, you're saying you had this oh. conversation when you were high. This debate. Um, so like, oh, before before we get into that, yo, the funny thing is nobody's ever gonna catch this if this video doesn't come out. But you threw up the uh, the help. That's <laughs> why I did it. <laughs> That's why I did it. At the thirty X up. <laughs> the, um, so ingrained into me, I was like, "Okay, yeah. how do I do this?" I was like, "Shit!" Fans are gonna love this episode. They're gonna love these 
<laughs> Shit. Um, my virgil no, started to fuck my aunt. No, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is my yeah. DNA, dude. Alright, so I find myself doing this thing where I get high and I take whole bands and I remove their front person and then I try to replace them with another front person to see if that band works. Limp Biscuit is one of the few bands that no other singer works in that band. You get a total different band. It's like it, it, Audio Slave worked, but it wasn't Rage, but it worked. It yeah. worked. You cannot take Limp Biscuits four, well five, a DJ, a bass player, a drummer, <clears throat> and a guitar player. Four. I'm sorry, I'm fucking up. Um, and then replace them with Brandon Boyd from Incubus, or Chino from Deftones, or Lejon Witherspoon, no. or that. Like it just doesn't work. No. But if you take Dez out of Cold Chamber and replace him with Chino, that that still works. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know what I mean? Like you can't take. Oh, that's another one. I'm glad we brought that. We we started talking about pockets. Jose Fasales does not get enough credit for how fucking good he is. Mm-hmm. The drummer from Incubus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does not get enough credit for how good he is. Like, my two favorite drummers are Abe Cunningham and Jose Fasales. Like, just their accents on things, but that's here and there. Um, yeah. But, like, those, the, even if you go back to uh, Science and Fungus Among Us and all that, like, yeah. when bands were, like, super, you know, like, Incubus was, like, a hard rock band or whatever. And doing the funk um, metal thing. Yeah, like, they're dope. You know what I mean? Dope. Like, all these, like, heavy bands had these incredible drummers, like, that could just keep time. David Silveria from Korn is probably one of my, one of my, one of the best drummers to be able to create a groove and keep. Like, yes. Like, just the whole time, like, their new drummer, Ray, uh, I don't Luzier. Know. Yeah. Good drummer. Not the same feel, though. No. It's like, it just doesn't move like it. Like he's a great drummer, but like technically great. Oh yeah. And I think that's a lot of the difference in a lot of players is like, you know, you take someone like Fieldy, and you put him up against a Les Claypool or a Flea or a Ryan Martin or a, a Victor Wooten or whatever, you're gonna get blown. You're gonna get smoked. Yeah, totally. You know. Now put any of them in corn, it doesn't work. No. Okay. You great example of that. Fieldy. Great example of that. Okay. When Cliff Burton died, you know, um, you know, let's Claypool audition for, for Metallica. Yep. Okay. And I'll never forget. The story is it was, it was still grieving anyway. Right. So I don't think it would have been any bass player would have fit, but once again, it goes back to appeal, talent and workability. And the thing mm-hmm. about it, it was something like let's Claypool said, so you want to play Ozzy brothers? Right. Nobody laughed. Right. We just lost our bass player in a tragic bus accident. All of us are hurt, and we're on tour. Yes. No, we do not want to play the goddamn Doobie Brothers. Learn these fucking songs. Yes. <laughs> you know, and the yeah. funny thing about it is, like, so, you know, I think Les understood and everything. So there was a couple of times, you know, on tour, because I saw a video of him doing Master Puppets. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and so James said, yeah, he was uh, too good for us, you know, man. <laughs> uh, I still think James Hetfield's a racist low-key. There's something about that guy. He gives me nigger hating hat vibes. Oh, the whole band does, minus Robert. Exactly. Kirk. Only to... Like, I'm not convinced Jason Newstead likes black people either. <clears throat> but, hey, not quite convinced that shit. 
Something um, about him. I know he likes the. I know he likes our music, but I don't think he likes us. Yeah, that's that's not uncommon. That's you know, culture. We call that culture now. Exactly. <laughs> Remember uh, when Lloyd Grant showed up? You know, and he joked with Lars, "Hey, maybe we should jam sometimes." And Lars had that kind of, huh, weird look at his face. Like Lars is also a trash show. But that's already known, though. You know, in fact, to be told is that I still I still haven't forgiven for Napster. You know, in fact, I used to crank call like like certain guitar shops and everything. I was like, "Hey, guys, hey, I need yeah, I'm in tour today. Um, I'm I'm going to be in tour. I need to figure out is there a drum kit that can actually help keep me in time." I mean, listen, I I haven't been able to switch around a net switch around a um tennis racket or anything, but uh, I need to figure out. I mean, so I'm really out of time here. You know, I'll just do this weird. The worst part is some people actually gave me prices on drum kits. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have this Tama. Or we have a Mapex if you want that. Yes. Find <laughs> the reason why your kids aren't going to know what a fuck I am in twenty years. Would you like paste symbols? Yeah. Um. The but like that you know with the whole just musical vibes, man. Just there are so many guitar players or bass players or drummers I, I can't, it's hard for me to categorize singers in that because they kind of have to work around what's created true um but like i think you know some of the best pairings is like i and i hate he doesn't always get the love he deserves but chad smith is a great drummer but to me the pairing is john frashante and fleet yeah that's you know in a like, yeah, it does. You know, I mean, shit. I mean, for example, like, okay, Josh Klingerhofer was in the band for maybe like about 10 years, and I totally forgot who was in the band for about 10 years. I literally looked up one day because I just wanted to play along to uh, Soul to Squeeze or Under the Bridge or something like that. It was like two of my favorite songs to play on bass. Yeah. Um, and I found like a live version. And I was like, who the fuck is this? Like, I don't know who this tall, lanky dude is. <laughs> yeah, like, tried to go do my research, and they were like, "It was like, yo, he's been in the band for like six years at this point." I was like, "I had no idea." Exactly, um, like he did not stand out. Like, you know, it's kind of fun. You know, the weird thing about Red Chili Peppers are, you know, for hmm. a band that has basically really rooted in funk and everything, they can never keep a black member. You ever notice that? Which band are we talking about? Here? Red, Ch- Red Chili Peppers. Them? Think about when it. When did they have black? Did they ever have black members in their band? They technically did. They had Dwayne Bloodberg and Night of Funkadelic was in there for a hot minute. Um, also, other due to Eric Marshall was in there as well. Um, huh. He was there for the tour technically, but it was kind of weird. Um, but they never stuck around for some reason. You know, it's kind of weird. I could I could see why though, because you, you got to think how long Chili Peppers have been around. True the sound. It wasn't really common for black people to be doing rock unless you were in Bad Brains or Fishbone. True. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's more it's way more common now. But like, yeah, you know, you said something about like, you want to do R and B for a second, right? Yeah. So, what sparked you? What sparked your interest? I've said this for my entire music existence. If I could sing, I would not be a rapper. Okay. Like, if I, I mean, when I say sing, I mean sing. Like, I don't mean like what the rappers are doing now like i'm not talking drake i'm not talking chris brown i'm talking like jodeci exactly <laughs> boys to men exactly like, you, you know, know what i mean drew hill stuff like that 
I was not gifted with that. Well, that's not true because I'm still working on. Uh, I've been like self teaching myself through YouTube how to like like do vo- like vocal coaching and shit. Even though y'all have seen me, you've seen me smoke three cigarettes on air. Um, <laughs> like we're for the guy from ACDC. Um, yeah, I mean, it's different when you're trying to, and it's not that I want to be an R&B singer. It's just I just want to do. I want to do things that have more melody. I know this is going to be kind of controversial or whatever the fuck, but like I've been super inspired by Tory Lanez as of late because he's one of the few artists that can do both well. Like he raps. I mean, by well, I mean like the guy can carry, like he can sing, he just uses auto-tune. Like very similar to T-Pain. Yeah. Like, you can like I know, and I'm not saying they're like crooners or they're like they have the best vocal you know whatever like those two can just carry melody like they're very good with melody and I'm big into melody that's actually what made me a bass player is like I wanted to be more on the melodic side of playing bass than like playing the roots you know what I mean like, oh yeah uh, the Justin Chancellors the Ryan Martins etc yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's actually like what got me into the R&B thing is I've always been into R&B. There's always been aspects of R&B to my music um, with a lot of, because I use a lot of, if I sample, it's like usually a very melodic sample, even if it's like an aggressive beat, like there's a melody to it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I've always been into that shit. So it's like, <clears throat> now that I've bought this goddamn, I, all right. So this is what happened. I got high and I was fucking around on the computer and, uh, I fucked around and bought uh, auto-tune. <laughs> and I was like, well, here we go. <laughs> like, that's really all it broke down to. As I was like, hey, I want to do some singing stuff on my next album. And if Kanye, who can't sing at all, can do it, then me, who can actually carry a tune, <laughs> like, this shouldn't be that hard. Sidebar, auto-tune is wildly difficult. <laughs> very much so like seriously I, I tried that I was trying to do this cover in the air tonight acapella and I had uh-huh. I knew it was in the key of D minor and it still sounded like shit when I did it yeah you know yeah. it still sounded like shit when I did it like I was just fucking around trying to figure out how to use it a couple weeks ago so like I just did some like like parts of like songs that I knew that of people who use autotune to just try to match to it bruh it took me hours and it was still as like i was just like all right there's a science to this like oh totally i need to do do my research on it you know what i mean like it's actually what's got me into starting like i'm about to learn how to play piano just so i can get be a better producer you know what i mean just like i can lay down chords and i don't have to worry about okay you know can i use the sample will this get cleared i can just make shit um but yeah that's like the r&b shit was really just came from like being influenced by people like T-Pain and Tory Lanez and uh, who else is kind of on that singer rapper. I wouldn't consider Chris, I wouldn't say Chris Brown because he's more of a singer to me or trade songs like Ty Dolla Sign. You know what I mean? Like this guy. Yeah, yeah. I just want to add, I don't, I wouldn't say I want to be a singer. I just want to add more melody to what I do. Hey, that was Xavier James. Check out his new project, Black Tie Affair, on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms. Till next time, peace.